Everybody, hey, will y'all do me a favor, and before we get started, will y'all just give someone next to you a hug and tell them that Jesus loves them, and don't cheat. Tell them that Jesus loves them. If you are a visitor here at West Ark Church of Christ, we are so, so, so thankful to have you. Um, this is about my fourth or fifth Sunday here, so you're up in a couple weeks. So I am so, so, so excited to be talking to you guys this morning. Um, as I look out across here, I realize that I only know some of you, and Rachel and I would love Love to get to know all of you, particularly interested in those of you who want to cook for us and have us over for dinner. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. You don't have to cook for us. You can take us out to eat. That's totally fine, too. (laughs) So I have a fan section here this morning right here. This is the party crowd. This is my family who, for one reason or another, have come to listen to me preach this morning. I just want to throw out a disclaimer, though. I'm not responsible for their actions, behaviors, especially my father-in-law there. So I just want to say that. Um, No, I'm I'm very excited to be preaching this morning to talk about uh, the mission of God with you guys. And uh, I mentioned my family there. It's got to be like a record or something, but uh, there are actually two horse dentists there, my father and my uncle. That is not a joke. That's an actual fact. So my my dad and my uncle are horse dentists. Two of my brothers, one of which are here, are farriers, which they shoe horses. And then I have a cousin who's also a horse dentist. So I'm the old minister, the black sheep of the family. So um, I just want to say that I'm so thankful to have my family here. It's incredible to have my family here because it makes me feel at peace. It makes me feel at home. And I just want to say to you visitors, the best thing about this church that I've discovered so far is the people here. It's absolute family. I mean, it doesn't matter. Everything else is fluff, but the church is in this room right now. It's the people. So I would just encourage you, if you are a visitor, to hang around a little bit and just talk to people. Just stand there. Someone, I promise, will come up and greet you because that is the best thing about this church, this family. And so we're thankful that you're here. And um, the only reason that I'm here, the only reason I'm not a horse dentist or a farrier or something, riding horses, Um, is because of campus ministry. Campus ministry totally changed my life. I uh, went into college not really sure what I wanted to do and um, got involved with a campus ministry at Arkansas Tech University. It's called the CCSC. I used to joke and say CCSC Element OP. There's so many letters there. (laughs) But it stands for the Church of Christ Student Center. And it totally changed my life for a number of reasons, Uh, one of which is I actually met my wife there, Rachel Richards. Um, I'm not just saying this to get sweet brownie points because I'm preaching this morning. She literally is a better person than me. She's my better half, and I want you guys to get to know her for sure. Um, But I owe a lot to the campus ministry. And uh, one one more fun fact about Rachel. We've been married for about a year now, and it's crazy because in a full year of marriage, we have not had one single fight crazy, I know, absolutely, <laughs> totally kidding about that, um, not even on the way to church this morning or anything like that, uh, but I owe a lot to the campus ministry at Arkansas Tech, I really do, 
And I wanted to share with you guys a story about kind of my journey as, um, I guess, a leader, a teacher, uh, that happened to me at the campus ministry. So let you guys know what kind of caliber speaker you're talking here. Um, So there was a mentor of mine named Neil Reynolds. He's the campus minister at Arkansas Tech now. And I had gone through a full four years of school at Arkansas Tech. I was an intern during those times, so I was bought into the mission of God. I was really excited about what God was doing on campus through our campus ministry and things like that. And if you don't know much about campus ministry, the biggest, most important season is the very beginning of the school year. It is absolutely crucial that you reach students during those first few weeks because that's when everyone's joining their clubs and and they're looking for their friends groups. They're they're open to ideas and, and they're just joining things like crazy. And so Neil and I were discussing the upcoming year and this was a point where I'd taken the apprenticeship. So I'd moved from being an intern to an apprentice, which is a big bump. Um, But basically that just means that I was fully committed to becoming a full-time minister. So as we were discussing the first few weeks of school in the upcoming year, we were talking about our big, is our big worship events called back to school uh, worship. And so this is like the first time that we actually get to speak to students and kind of present who we are as a ministry to those students. And we were talking about how crucial it was and how I was so excited for him to teach and I was so bought into this event. And he looks over at me and he says, how about you teach this year? And my heart absolutely dropped (laughs) because I was absolutely terrified to teach to public speak. Maybe some of you in here are a bit terrified of public speaking as well. Well, I was there. And to be totally honest with you guys, whenever I was preparing that week for that sermon to talk to college students about the mission of God, to talk to them um, for the first time, I had this thought. I wish this were a joke, but it's not. I thought when I was preparing that during that week, I was kind of sitting there thinking, I was like, you know, it wouldn't be that bad if I had like a minor accident this week and didn't have to preach. (laughs) I wish I were kidding, but that was an actual thought I had. So the day comes, I give the sermon, there's a bunch of students there, and lo and behold, we had just a crazy day, had 18 baptisms, totally kidding. I gave an average to probably fair sermon, and then the day went on. But my, my leader, my mentor, was doing something important there. He was telling me, Cade, it's, it's time to kick you out of the nest, so to speak. So I was bought into the mission of God. I was totally committed to campus ministry. And he said, now, Cade, it's time to get off the sidelines and get into the fight. So he pushed me out of the nest. And realistically, Neil would have given a better sermon. He probably would have done a better job, reached more students, but he decided not to. He entrusted me with that mission because it was part of my journey as a Christian. So I learned a long time ago, I don't have anything good to say, only the scriptures have good things to say. So if you'll flip to Luke 10, that's where we're going to be at this morning. So we're going to be at Luke 10, verses 1 through 11. And before we get into this, what you guys need to know is the disciples of Jesus up until this point have spent about two years with him. So they had seen Peter confess Jesus as Christ. They had seen Jesus do miracles. 
Um, They had heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, and they were totally committed. They were totally bought into the mission of God. But just like Neil was doing for me, he begins to kick them out of the nest. And so let's read just a couple verses at a time. So it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This is what I've been praying all week. That Lord, the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his harvest field. So, if you can just track with me here for a second, there's three relationships that we have to maintain as Christians. So you can think about it in three words. Up, in, and out. So up would be our relationship with God. So our connection to the Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, that's up. In would be our relationship with one another from Christian to Christian. We'd call it fellowship, and I'd probably just say hanging out, but we like to call it fellowship. And then out would be our relationship with people who are not yet Christians. So you have up, you have in, and you have out. So as I was thinking about this, in reading this story, I'd realized that growing up, I have an incredible family, they took me to church, that I had participated in a lot of churches who were fantastic at the up and at the end. So we learned a ton about God. We came to church, we sang songs to God, we had a connection with the Heavenly Father, and we had a ton of fun just hanging out, potlucks and barbecues and just hanging out with each other. But that was kind of the end game. As long as you were there at church on Sunday mornings, it was fantastic. As long as you had a, a great group of Christian friends, that was the, kind of the pinnacle. I realized, though, that we never, ever did like, does like Jesus does here and push people out, push people towards the people who don't yet know Christ. And so one of my favorite things that a preacher can do is be very practical Growing up, listening to sermons, I would hear a lot of great thoughts, and I'd be like, you know, that sounds really sweet, but I don't really know what that looks like in my life. You guys feel like that ever? Well, Jesus does something here where he moves from the theoretical, the inspirational, and he moves totally into the practical. So this is one of the most practical um, set of verses in all the Bible here, in my opinion. So Jesus says here to send out workers into the harvest field. He's, he doesn't say that there are a shortage of believers. You guys catch that? He says there's a shortage of workers. And when I read this, I'm speaking to myself here, and maybe you'll get something from it. He's saying, Cade, there are plenty of people that come to church. There are plenty of people that, that love me, but I need workers. I need workers to go out into the harvest field. There are plenty of people who learn about the mission of God, who get excited about the mission of God, who like to talk about the mission of God, but I need you to move into joining into the mission of God. As I was thinking about this morning, I had an image that kept coming to my mind. I've been watching a lot of uh, like military training videos. I know that's kind of weird about me, but I find it very fascinating. And so if you can imagine this, think about a base, a fort, a military fort with high walls, No one can see in, no one can see out. But in there, the baddest cats in the lands, the best military people that we got, and they're just in there training, they're training, they're training. 
and they're absolutely lethal. They're some of the best soldiers that we have. They're always talking about war. They're always preparing for when war comes. And then slowly but surely it does. War comes to the shores, and then lo and behold, it surrounds the fort, and they're inside just totally training, training, getting better, getting better, better, and better. Well, I'm here to tell you, is that not what we do in our churches? That we come and we train and we learn and we get excited about the mission of God. We talk about if war would ever come to our shores, we'd be ready. Well, I'm here to tell you, the fields are ripe for the harvest. The war is upon us. Join into the mission of God because it is here. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. He said, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. So that's a a bit of a strange um, set of scriptures there. But I think it echoes the Great Commission. He says, go. You guys ever read the Great Commission and you wonder, why does God, why is Jesus always telling us to go? Well, it's because it's absolutely beautiful. Because God is a going God. We go to people who don't, don't yet know him because he came to us. Do you realize that, that Jesus was God's most valuable asset? He was in heaven when in perfect communion with God. But he thought enough of us to leave heaven, to leave perfection, and to come to us because he thought we were worth it. So by his very character, he is a going God. So I think that says to us, by our very character, that we should be a going people. Not to ask people to come to us, but to go to them and meet them where they're at. And then he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And I kind of get a kick out of this because it's like a little bit of the the air gets let out of the tires there. (laughs) There's a disciple in the back going like, did he say we're the lambs or did he say we're the wolves? I didn't catch that. But he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And I think what he's saying there is, don't expect this journey to be easy. He's saying there will be opposition. It's not all cupcakes and sunshine, but he's saying this is the most important thing that you could ever do. He says, don't take a purse, no extra sandals. He says, don't greet anyone along the way. And I think what Jesus is speaking to there is the priority of this mission. So he's saying, don't worry about any of the extra stuff. Don't prepare for tomorrow. The only thing I want you to do is have this laser-like focus on the mission of God. When I think about the word priority, the word prior means before. So I think what Jesus is saying is, what comes before anything else? And that's such an important question for us to ask as Christians here, as a church family at West Ark, what is the most important mission to us? What comes before anything else that we do? I think that's absolutely what Jesus is asking us to do and ask of ourselves. Let's look at verses five through eight. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give to you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. So this is kind of a strange piece of scripture here. He's talking about going to houses, say peace be to you, 
I'm going to really simplify this down for us. So I think what Jesus is doing is he's saying, look for people of peace. You have this concept of people of peace. And he's saying, long before you ever go into your workplace looking to talk to your coworker about me, long before you ever go to University of Arkansas Fort Smith looking to talk to your dorm mate about me, long before you ever strike up a conversation with the gas station attendant, I have been there. You're not the first one on the scene. I have been working in people's lives. I've been preparing them their entire life. I just want you to have the goggles. I want you to have the lens that I have to see where God is at work. He says, look for these people of peace. In a sense, it's like Jesus is sending us on this cosmic scavenger hunt. So he's saying, whenever you go into these places, say, peace be unto you, which sounds so strange to us, but it was just a common Jewish greeting at the time. He's just saying, test the waters a little bit. Say, hey, what's up, man? That'd be like for us. Hey, what's going on? And see how they respond. If they're like, hey, what's going on, man? Like, it's good to see you. Then that might be a person of peace. God may have been working in their heart, working in their life to open a door to share the good news, to share the reason why you have hope. So the, the truth is um, that Rachel and I moved here. We felt very, very called to, to work for the Lions for Christ, to be the campus minister. But the reality is that God did not show up to this congregation, that God did not show up to Euphus whenever Kate and Rachel did. God has been preparing this place for a long time for a, for a harvest. I want to share with you guys some people of peace that God has placed in our lives that has given this congregation just a fantastic inroads to share the gospel on campus. So one of the first days that I got here, actually I think it was the first day, um, old Chris Benjamin had a trick up his sleeve and he told me to go buy some cupcakes because we were going to go meet the people at the Student Activities Organization. If you don't know what that is, basically they hold the keys to the kingdom on what we can and can't do on campus. So we get these cupcakes, we walk over to campus, and we meet the leader of the organization. Her name is Jasmine. And within seconds, we realize that her best friend, she went to Arkansas Tech to do a grad school program. Within seconds, we realize that she ha- her best friend at Tech was my wife's best friend at Tech. They just missed each other by a year. So we didn't know what we were going to encounter. You know, like, are they going to let us on campus to do some stuff? Are they going to be pretty, like, restrictive? And by the end of it, um, Jasmine was, like, inviting us out on a double date and just having a blast. And not only did she ask us and tell us that basically we can do anything that we want as long as we run it through them, she actually invited us, the Lions for Christ, to partner in two of their biggest events in the first week of school. So not only did they keep us away from campus, they invited us into the university's activities on campus. And I couldn't get a... I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I also don't want to under-spiritualize it. I totally, totally believe that God had been working in Jasmine's life for years, possibly preparing us for that moment so that the kingdom of God and that the gospel could flourish on campus at Euphus. I couldn't make this stuff up. So she introduced me that day to the dean of students, 
I didn't have a good relationship with him. She also, that same day, introduced me to the leader of the Greek life. And so as I was talking to the leader um, of the fraternities and sororities that deals with all that on campus, she was telling me that she would love for us to host um, like service events because fraternities and sororities need service hours. And she's like, they would come to you by the masses because they need the hours, they just don't want to plan the events. And so she's introducing me to all these inroads to reaching students, and I couldn't help but think about this being a Luke 10 moment, a person of peace that God has just presented to us as a congregation so that we could share the hope that we have in Christ with the campus. And just as a cherry on top, I believe the new AD is from Abilene Christian. He's just got the job, and he moved here. Oklahoma Christian? I'm sorry. Same thing. That's right. Interchangeable synonyms. But I couldn't help but think, has God been working in his life, guiding him to Fort Smith, Arkansas, so that he could help the campus ministry? I don't know. But I do know um, that God is alive, and he's at work in this, in this uh, campus ministry. So I just want to ask you guys to have the eyes to see what God is doing around us. And let's look at verses, uh, the last couple ones, 9 and 11. Even when the dust of your town, even when the dust of your own town sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. It says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet will wipe off against you. So you have these four concepts that we're working through. So you have go. God says, go to the people around you. And he says, discover. He says, discover the people of peace that God has placed in your life, has placed in your path. And then I love this section of scripture because he says, then show them the kingdom of God has come near to them. He says, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to them. I love this concept of show and tell. So you guys may have heard this, uh, this quote. It's a pretty awesome quote by uh, St. Francis of Assisi. It says, go into the world, go into all the world and preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. So go into the world, preach the gospel, when necessary, use words. When I first heard that, I was like, yes! That is incredible. I just want to live out the gospel. I just want to like hold the door open for somebody, and they're like, you know what? That guy's different. And suddenly I want to be baptized because he held that door open for me. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that, does it? You know, we're always talking about how, you know, we'll be so different, we'll live so differently that people will see us different, and they'll ask us, you know, hey, why are you different? Maybe you've encountered this, where you've just lived out the gospel and people have thought you were different and they've come to faith because of it. But I don't think that Jesus ever makes the separation between showing people the kingdom of God and telling people about the kingdom of God. I think that he always marries the two. I think that just talking about the kingdom of God is short-sighting the kingdom. I think just showing them is also short-sighting it. So there's it's come to my understanding that there's several people in this congregation that do fostering, that foster children. And I love that about this congregation. Because if you didn't know this, Jesus brings the kingdom of God wherever he goes. So when, when Jesus goes around and he heals people, 
It's because in the kingdom of God, there aren't people who can't walk. He cures people, he, he casts out demons because in the kingdom of God, God has control over people's lives. And so our job as a Christian is not to be baptized and then just sit and wait for kingdom to come. Our job as Christians is to be baptized and then bring a little bit of the kingdom of God, a little bit of heaven down to this earth. So back to the foster. The foster families, I think they get this concept. They realize that in God's kingdom, little boys and little girls, they have families. They have moms and dads who totally love them. That they bring them into their family, they surround them, but at the same time, they teach them about the kingdom of God. And I think that we have to be doing this. We have to be living it out, but also not scared to share our faith. I told you guys to give each other a hug and to tell someone that Jesus loves you. Did that feel a little bit weird for somebody? To actually look in somebody's eyes and say, hey, Jesus loves you. No one, no one's brave enough to admit. I'll admit it's kind of strange because we just want to live our lives and we never want to speak about the faith that we have, the hope that we have. But I would encourage you to read this scripture. Jesus never separates the two. He says, show people the kingdom of God. Tell people about the kingdom of God. Um, we have this concept of showing and telling. But I want to address the, the elephant in the room. We have one of the best mission fields in this city and in our society, literally across the street. I'm not joking about this. We are literally in the shadow of the university. UFIS is right across the way. And I know that each of you have your own lives, you have your own jobs, you have your own circles of influence, and I want you to live this mission out. I want you to show people the kingdom of God in your workplace. I want you to tell people about the kingdom of God wherever you go. But we cannot deny what's across the street. So you may not be totally convinced that campus ministry is the best place to do mission. But let me try to convince you. So at campus ministry, you think about the Great Commission. It says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, on the campus, the Great Commission is flipped on its head. So we don't have to go into the whole world. Good news for us, we can stay right here because the whole world comes to us. Leaders from across the nation, leaders from across the city, from across the state, all come to universities for four years. It's a choke point in our society. And during those four years, they're figuring out their worldview. If you look at the statistics on people, like how they think, from 18 to 22, you basically solidify the way that you're going to think for the rest of your life, at least on the big things. In addition to that, people almost always determine their career path during that time. So that's going to be like 90% of your day, every day for the rest of your life, pretty much. In addition to that, people usually find their spouse, not all the time, but a lot of times they find their spouse during that time. And talk about a decision that has the potential to shape the trajectory, trajectory of your life more than anything else is who you decide to marry. So you have all these key influences right there in four years. And so I can't help but wonder, is God stirring something for this congregation to get behind? Is God calling us into something greater? 
Rachel and I have been given a God-sized dream, meaning that we cannot do it without God. We're absolutely swinging for the fences and we're gonna fall flat on our face without his help. And I can't help but wonder, is he calling you into the same dream? I envision the LFC over at the house, totally packed out on a Wednesday night, bursting at the seams with college students. I want it to be so big that we have to either build on a new building or we have to move on campus because so many students are coming to hear the word of God. I envision students leaving this congregation during the summers and going on mission trips all across the globe. I envision students taking internships to spread the kingdom all across the nation during their summers. I envision seniors, groups of seniors, not just going through college, surviving with their faith somewhat intact, but rising up to become the next generation of leaders. That they get plugged into churches wherever they decide to move, and they're teaching classes, they're mentoring students, they're injecting lifeblood into the churches where they go. And I can't help but dream if one day that we find leaders that come up through UFAS and a, a group of students, a team of students, leaves West Ark Church of Christ to go plant another campus ministry where they don't have one so that other people can experience the kingdom of God. Other people can have the joy that we all have in this room. We can't do this alone, though. If it's just me chugging away over there in the house, it'll never work. I need the Spirit of God to empower us, and I'm convinced that there's enough reasons for us here in this room to believe that none of this can happen. But I don't want to talk about the reasons that can't happen. I'm here in the power of the Spirit asking you to believe that this can happen, all for the glory of God. If you're worried about the future of, of the church, I hear a lot of talk about that. If you're worried about the future of the church, then I would ask you, I would plead with you to invest in the next generation. And please, please don't fall into the trap that's, I cannot relate to a college student. Hear me out here. I'm going to say something crazy. So my wife and I love to hang out with the Shirleys, and we love to hang out with the Dowdies. Why? Because people, young people like myself, will gravitate to the oldest person who will take them seriously. We love hanging out with people like the Shirleys and the Dowdies because they take us seriously. They're not like insanely talented or anything like that. Sorry, guys, to burst your bubble. <laughs> they just take us seriously. They love us. And so I would plead with you, please do not fall into the trap that you cannot connect with college students because I think that is a lie from the devil, honestly. So I want to leave you um, with a picture, a story. So in 1517, Cortez and his men left Spain on three ships and sailed to Mexico to fight against Montezuma and his forces. So they had these three ships, they sail across the sea, and they anchor out in the harbor, and they take the smaller boats into the shore. So you have all these small boats crash against the shore. All the men jump out, and Cortez rallies all his men on the beaches. All the men come to him, and he motions for a group of them, some of his most trusted men, to row the boats back out to the bigger boats. So he tells them to row them out, and to the other men's horror, 
they take torches and they start tossing them in the boats. So all these men watch as the boats burn and all their hopes of ever returning back to Spain go down the tubes. When they come back, they say there's only one way to go but now. So I'm asking you all, I want to be very clear, I'm asking you all this morning to toss the torches in the boats. Let's totally commit as a congregation to reaching the college, to reaching the University of Arkansas Fort Smith for God. I love you guys very much, and after this sermon, after church is over, we're going to have a brown bag lunch over in the Lines for Christ house. And this is not for just students, this is for anyone and everyone in this entire room. If you want to get connected, if you want to get plugged in, and you want to find out ways that you can help us at the campus ministry, please go grab some lunch, grab some Subway, whatever you like, and bring it back to the house. Because we're going to talk about the ways in which we can serve, and there is so much work to be done. Physical work, spiritual work, relational work. Please, please join us. If you just need some prayers... Um, I would invite you to come down. If you need to talk to somebody, there's going to be some elders up at the front, fantastic men um, that you can lay some burdens on. But that's all I have for us this morning. I thank you guys so much. And uh, let's throw the torches in the boats.